Are you ready? The challenge of existence. Every human being on this earth faces a constant problem. How to make the most of life. There is no simple solution. The art of living is the most difficult of all the arts. But fortunately for all of us, experience can be shared. Insights can be learned. Wisdom can be taught. In this book are presented the experience, insight, and wisdom of men and women who have lived deeply, thought profoundly, and cared enormously about sharing with others what they have learned. Statesmen and scientists, businessmen and housewives, novelists and astronauts, clergymen and psychiatrists, each has found some fragment of truth that cushions the harsh impact of reality or brightens the marvelous tapestry of living. Here, then, are the answers to the most fundamental of all questions, how to live with life. You know, because it's like that, like when you're, I mean, for me, like starting without too much knowledge, it was like, you just kind of look at the board as like a banana. Yes. But then it's like when you're shaping it, you almost see it as a Pringles chip. Okay. So it's like the rails kind of dip, and then that there's in the middle where it has its own yes. sort of plane, you know. And I was like, so that was kind of an interesting. I thought it was like, whoa, yeah. Over time, you start to realize that there's more than it meets the eye, you know. And like I think that process, I think the discipline of learning. Even Pat, Pat's been on that kick as well. Like this year, just being at Bell's, and he did so well. And he was just in the whole time. He felt like he was learning every heat. He's like, dude, like. I feel like I got something out of that. He's like, that was really cool, like the way I approached the bowl or like the way that the, the tide changed and I was on it. And it was like, it was sick. We were like totally thriving on the fact that he was learning still. I think that's a good kind of mindset to have. He's a one who likes all our pretty songs and likes to say no and likes to shoot his gun. Don't know what it means Don't know what it means To love someone The focus in his vision was obvious. The poise was better studied watching his careful body movements whilst holding the heavy vintage planer, dancing the offcuts nose to tail. Was positivity simply a fuel and were surfboards only a tool? This was life, and together they agreed that much of everything seems somewhat of the same ingredients. In the deep end, he shaped for the shallows on his own. This is a conversation between Donald Brink and Tanner Godowskis after shaping a surfboard together before letting Tanner go it alone. Likes to shoot his gun Don't know what it means Don't know what it means To love someone Down, but I was interested 
of your initial perceptions having I didn't help you today I gave you a little bit of advice but I didn't touch that board um, a little bit of spining on the stringer at the end there just to help for glass but um, so yesterday we walked through a board together um, kind of mainly from my point I think trying to forecast a game plan for you that you could now depend on yeah no matter what you were shaping so maybe like let me into your head like before we cover what we went through yesterday your thoughts last night your thoughts this morning and then in the bay today I think like going to bed last night I was I was more like kind of hopeful just like oh cool like I felt like I was more able to trust what we had just done I was like okay cool like I, I think I'll get it but this morning I was so excited I just was like oh my god like just to kind of be able to get my hands like on I like the planer but I like just being able to block off the rails and like that feels so good in screening it and I knew I was going to finish the boards today so I was going to see it in that end zone because we didn't get that uh, yesterday yeah. and then when I got in here I was a little nervous for sure because then I started to realize I was like looking at the board and I was like oh man like I know what to do for the first step and then I did it and I was like okay like what do I do next but that I mean it was cool because you had those simple steps uh, that we had written down yesterday you, you read those? yeah I read those oh, okay, cool. and I was really stoked on that because I mean not that we had overly stated too much but it was just nice to be able to almost feel like oh, okay like I'm I'm plugging away sort of and like I have a program so I'm not just like diving into the dark yeah so well yeah. for me I remember learning to shape I guess the so just for those listening the story was you needed to shape two boards and you can tell us about that project if you want but um, we took one to sort of go through how to go about designing a board and then going from drawing on a paper all the design elements at play to actually crafting what it is we were talking about it and the awkward stages in between of how to hold the line like I know it looks weird but this is why we're doing it because it sets you up for now this stage and yeah then, ah and then right it's it's that last five percent where oh there it is yeah because you really can't see what it is you're trying to build the whole way along but if you have a plan of how to get there and you trust your plan, you'll end up exactly kind of where you, as a designer, were hoping to be. Um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of what we did. And then today, you were on your own. But it is kind of a mixture, like, in that sense of, I think, trusting what, what you, like, I was really stoked on the feedback that you had yesterday because when I was planning out the tail, and there was those little, like, kind of waves, and I was like, oh my gosh, I thought I had kind of, like, really rectified it and um you're like no that's okay like well you know you go for the long haul like you're, you're just commit through the swing sort of a thing and and I felt really good about that because today I kind of did a similar thing and I was just in here by myself and I was like you know it's okay like I'm gonna eventually take a full pass on the whole bottom and that might help it and then it kind of did and I blocked it out and I was like it just started, I think if I had chased that individual moment right there <laughs> too hard, I probably would have created a big ripple. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, and we talked about that yesterday, but just how much and how similar shaping can be to life. It's like, mm-hmm. 
Okay, wait, you gotta look at this big picture. You gotta look at this big picture because we're here to finish a project. And yeah, yeah, maybe there's a little nick in the tail there, but just it's gonna be okay. Don't look at that and don't try and fix it now because most of that is probably actually just gonna go away if you just yeah. continue with the plan. Um, yeah. Let's read those steps we wrote down because I could quote them, but it would be interesting to see the words we had. What you got from? Yeah, the ones because I'll, I'll just read what we wrote, which was choose blank, draw outline. Um, what's it say here? Blast through them, and then we can kind of go through them slower. So. Yeah, what's this one? Uh, rocker of the blank. Okay, within yeah. draw. Okay, that's right. Draw outline within rocker of the blank. Cut out. Um, plan shape. Uh, cut the outline or the plan shape. Yeah. So I, I like to call them both ways. That's cool. Because that's just your initial plan. And once you've cut your outline, everything else has got to stem off of that. So yeah. once you commit to an outline, you now cut your rocker accordingly. And that's a common question. People are like, oh, how much rocker do I put in? And it's like, well, it has to work cohesively with the outline. So it's a compound curve. You're going over the hill, but you're also going around the corner. Mm-hmm. And in the bay, you can see that so nicely come together. Oh, I, I, I get off on that. <laughs> I feel like that's a pretty confusing term until you're like kind of looking at the board mm. and as you're shaping, you're like, oh, cool. Like this makes a ton of sense that there is, you know, there's kind of multiple things happening. Yes. You know, because it's like that, like when you're, I mean, for me, like starting without too much knowledge, it was like, you just kind of look at the board as like a banana. Yes. But then it's like when you're shaping it, you almost see it as a Pringles chip. Okay. So it's like the rails kind of dip. And then that there's in the middle where it has its own yes. sort of plane, you know? And it was like, so that was kind of an interesting, I thought it was like, whoa, yeah. Over time, you start to realize that there's more than it meets the eye to a simple. Well, and I think that is so important because when you only ever see finished boards, you just take them at face value, like it just is what it is. But when you understand how to get there, now you can see the intricacies of the finished product. Yeah. Like all those square edges from a saw cut now and a blocky blank that you cut, like those are gone. But having seen the reference, you now have a, a point of reference from which the change has been made. Yeah. Like, wow, those rails really are round compared to how square they were. Or, yeah, those rails feel a little bit pinched because I know how much sooner you could have stopped. Mm-hmm. Or whatever the case is. Uh, yeah, that's cool. So then we have, let's see here. Now, these are the ones that I kind of was like looking at today, which was cut deck line, cut bottom curve according to deck line. Mm. That was a good one. I was stoked on that. Drop to thickness. And that's when I opened it up and I just planed one fully on the bottom. And then we got into the rail facets, which was cut bottom rail facet, which was like the big one mm-hmm. and then flip it over and you start to do the deck facets and that was kind of for me the king bands yeah yeah and that was like yesterday where I started to definitely realize that you know you, you you find the lines on the rails you're looking them in the light and you try to keep the shadows and, and it was really interesting because you're saying like hey you gotta you kind of have to tilt it but it was like I really had to put the thing on like a vertical edge to get that top facet going yes and then uh so then once you get through that, it's split facets by hand, and then finish, and then serve. It's pretty, I mean, it's really cool. Like, it was nice to have that today, because it's a simple guideline, but it, it gives you the right kind of framework to then keep working. Because yeah. that, I guess, sounds simple, but there's like a lot of, today, like, there was a lot of time spent on a lot of those. Oh, absolutely. Well, it is simple, but if you don't have this, to have come up with this on your own would be 
near brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a Rubik's cube, just like oh, oh, here we are. Well, it's not rocket science, but it is somewhat of a daunting and challenging task going from a oversized, awkward-looking blank to a finely tuned design craft. Yeah. But having a plan to get there, I think, is the most valuable thing in shaping, and I'm always happy to share those things because. I don't care if you throw them away and do something completely different, but I'm happy to share it because from that you can tweak and twist and adapt, but I pretty much have tweaked this from all the things I've watched and learned over the years to what I now can be confident with, but also easily share so that either I can help somebody shape with an understanding for what I've shown them, or I can be in the middle of a project, whether it's a longboard or a shortboard or a fish. Yeah. And the phone can ring or I get interrupted. I hope not, but it happens. Yeah. <laughs> and so I know exactly where I am. I'm not lost in the dark. I'm, you know, and I can see clearly where I'm going to. So, yeah, it's not it's not so much about going through the motions. It's about articulating or crafting the exact design you had on paper. And I always say, like, the most important thing is actually deciding about all the details that you envision in building a board so your board that we talked about work well let's turn the page here i mean the saying of let's go back to the drawing board for me it's so beautiful like yeah there it is we're making we wrote it up we were making two boards one's a fish one we called it a blade more performance version we decided on the fins we decided on the fin setup we decided why and it was all within cohesivity of the entire craft. I feel like too though, this is this is a I mean this is an awesome outline and a blueprint. But even you could use this exactly and I could use it the same way, but our boards would turn out different. I mean even just alone on the rail facets and how I was planning. Sure. Like I mean you have the steps but then at the same time you do still have so much room for you to inject like what makes a Donald Brink board and then for me to be like, okay like you know this is my take yes. on that. Well, for me, that would then, I like, man, that's a brilliant observation. Let's now divide it between design and craft. And the best boards, I believe, are the best of both put together. Because mm-hmm. you can have the most amazing idea and be a crappy craftsman, and it's like, it's never, or you can be really good on the tools, but not really know how water works. And I see that so often, like, these yeah. tool wizards, and they come out, and it's like, Ooh, that rocker looks... I'm not sure. There's got to be a wave somewhere where that's going to yeah. So, isn't it great? Like the, But once again, back to the drawing boards because you've got to express what you're trying to craft. So that's design. And then you come in here and it's a testament of how well you're going to work on the tools. I look at those guys designing boards on the computer and it's an incredible skill to me like looking at that because you still have to know what to put in. I mean, that thing's going to cut terrible lines if you put them in yeah and then there's an element of fine tuning and of crafts but it's it's a mystery you know they're a wonder i do like what you're saying though because i i sometimes i i feel like well it is extremely hard to consistently shape from raw with tools by hand Mm -hmm. so like in that sense like if you're using the computer and you're designing you can probably not take the human aspect out of it but you can limit yeah, yeah, you change. can definitely define, uh, refine that. Yeah, all. and in that sense, I guess it's not as pure, but at the same time, it's just learning that vocabulary of designing on the computer is a, 
is a craft in it's, itself. And uh, 100% it's a full skill. Yeah. 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 In fact, did I... <laughs> maybe I'm giving away a bunch of ideas here, but hey, what the heck, that's what it's for. But one thing I would love to do, like I go to these surfboard shows and I got people in a box shaping a board and it's like blah, blah, blah. I mean, the lighting's always diffused, and you really can't see what's going on. <laughs> I mean, like, half of the tool is this room. Yeah. And I've shaped in the driveway. You can make it happen. But what I think would be really, really inspiring, and I actually feel like where the future of surfboard design's going is, imagine you walked in and, and on a big screen watched somebody pick a blank, throw it into whatever those programs is they're using, and literally watch them design a board. Yeah. I think that would be fascinating, and now a kid at home could be like, "Oh, I could, I could," because those programs are free, and you can design a file yep. and sit there and tinker. It's it's kind of like garage band for surfboard. For sure, yeah. I've never gotten into it. Like, yeah, the one time I did design a rocket template for a blank company, <laughs> I downloaded the file and put a virus on my computer. It was really bummed. <laughs> like, what is this? Mean? <laughs> no, like, I'm staying out of this, but. No, I think it is really interesting to see like how somebody basically decodes a, a design like what you're after. So, so what um, what, what was what was the most nerve-wracking part of today? Well, there was different aspects of it. I think it's interesting when you when you start to feel like the pressure of what you assume the board should look at a certain stage. Okay. Like for me, the nose was definitely like I kept looking at it, and obviously. <laughs> you know how it is. It's like you look down at your nose. You're like, whoa, okay. So it looked thick, awkward, bulky, like no, it just looked shapeless kind of. Mm-hmm. And so like to have that as for as long as I did, I was kind of like, okay, that's intimidating. And then the planer is still, I think it's just you have to put time on the planer. 100%. And I think like even today I felt more comfortable than I did yesterday. Um your but, technique was great, by the way. Like a must. Thanks. Interject. Like I've taught so many people, like little this approach to how to put a board together. But everyone excels at different points. But your ability with the hand saw was supreme. But your understanding of the the orientation of the planer was incredible. Thank you. Yeah, I, I I mean I've seen I've seen so many people and to different ages and different approaches and often the people that suffer most are people that are very comfortable in tools because they think oh I'm good with tools and I just but the orientation Almost. of the planer like I said is such an awkward wing like you can't see where the blades are yeah and I explained that to you but as awkward and as clumsy as that felt you intuitively made the adjustments and had a sense of where it was cutting and what you were trying to do I almost, which was amazing so that's all for that. I was almost having to come around to this point of like, okay, I'm like putting the planer on the board, but not like all the way to the left. Like, so it wasn't cutting anything. Yeah, sure. And then I was just kind of like moving around, moving my body around. So yes. I'm like, okay, like this is how I'm going to do it. Like almost pr- visualizing it and then opening it up. And like on the first ones was maybe just lightly opening it up. Then once I got comfortable, I was like, okay, cool. I'm just going to do a full pass and just trust the line. And it actually ended up, today I felt more comfortable, especially when I was putting in like a little bit of kick out of the tail. Mm. Because yesterday, I remember my lines were kind of like, whoa, like a little wavy. Yeah. And then I just remembered going like, okay, like if I have the purpose, like I know exactly what I want to do. Mm. And I just took the line and I just kind of like, I just went with it. And I think by trusting the planer a little bit more today, 
it actually helped me in the long run because, like you said, the planner basically wants to go. The machine itself is ready to do it, but it's almost like if you can't trust it and just put the thing flat down, mm-hmm. then something weird might happen. You might like dig or try to pull it too fast and rip the foam or something like that. Yeah, and that thing's straight and true. Like if you cut a straight yeah. line, it's straight. There's no whoop-de-doos in that. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. What was, what was um, something you wished you could have tweaked or done differently? Like, like, do you have any regret from? I mean, the board. Well, hey, let's just stop and say the boards came out really good. I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah. The boards are going to be super fun <laughs> yeah. to surf and ride. Um, is there a regret, knowing that your product that you've created and all the effort like looks good and it's going to glass out well? Like, is there a regret, like? From pro- for, through the process? Or? No, I think like even too for me, if the boards, like I actually really like the way they look and feel, but if they didn't, I think I wouldn't have had regret anyways because it's cool. Like I'm hoping to just get to shape more. So it's like understanding the process and just liking it and almost trying my best to stay away from that. Like, is that a good board or a bad board? Like, it's so funny how much in like in my life I feel like I try to do that with what I'm, you know, interested in. So it's like, oh, I'm playing the piano. It's like, well, does this sound good? Or it's like, did it feel good? Or like, am I into this? Like, that would be more what I was hoping for instead of like this end result thing. So I don't know how to feel. Yeah, like, I, I think it's cool to be able to go like, how is the process? Like, am I enjoying, for me, like on the piano, the discipline has been the coolest thing because it gives me structure to my days. Like, I'll just try to do an hour a day. And just, like, it's cool because, like, even after today, like, been shaping all day and I'm so stoked to go home and just give it, like, an hour and just try to, like, improve a little bit. And then over time, you start to chart a course where you're like, oh, cool, I'm making headway mm-hmm. instead of just stepping into something. Like, this would be an example, like, and being like, cool, like, I want to shape these boards. And at the end of just these two boards, being like, am I, am I good at this? Like, should I keep going with this? Instead of being like, that was cool. I learned just this little bit today or, like, took this little bit from that. And just kind of like, it's like one step at a time. <laughs> that's interesting. I mean, I, I think that's an approach that you have to most things in life. Would you say that about surfing too? Yeah, for sure about surfing. I think it, it kind of started to come around like in a black and white way, probably negatively towards the contest stuff because it was like it's so easy to see a successful result and a non-successful result. And so then over time, I stopped realizing that I was just trying to improve my surfing. And I almost just started surfing to get a result. And then I was like, obviously wasn't getting the results. So then I was like feeling really disheartened because it's like, am I even good at competing? I was like, I don't win heats. But at the same time, I was still learning a lot. I just wasn't recognizing that. So I think like after last year, I just had to kind of like just hit the board again and be like, okay, like, wait, let's maybe reset how I'm thinking. And like, instead of seeing it as like, did I qualify or not? It's like, gosh, like, I'm still getting better, you know, and, like, I think that process, I think, the discipline of learning, even Pat, Pat's been on that kick as well, like, this year, just being at Bell's, and he did so well, and he was just saying the whole time, he felt like he was learning every heat, he's like, dude, like, I feel like I got something out of that heat, he's like, that was really cool, like, the way I approached the bowl, or, like, the way that the, the tide changed, and I was on it, and it was, like, it was sick, we were, like, totally thriving on the fact that he was learning still. I think that's a good kind of mindset to have. So listening to that, do you, do you think the fact that you're aware that you're still learning is as valuable 
or more valuable than the actual insights that you are maybe. learning. Yeah, maybe that's a good point. I mean, yeah, or maybe that you would be open to learning. So if uh, it's challenging, you're like not going like full, I must not be good at this. You know, you'd be like, oh, cool, this is kind of challenging. Like, let's give it a dig. That's, I think, I mean, whether or not you come away, like, with the result, it's more like that you were ready to get in the dirt and just kind of, like, mix it up. I don't know if that makes sense. Well, it, it does, except for the examples that we're talking about. And so let's say Patrick at Bells. I mean, you could argue then maybe those learnings wouldn't have happened unless he had, hadn't done as well as he did in Snapper, which was less than Bell. So you're kind yeah. of on the back foot. You know what I mean? It's like, that's why, that, that, that's why the question was, is it the fact that you were learning or is it what you were learning? Because he might walk away with one or two tidbits about Tide and where to sit at Bell's, but we're going into Margaret River, you're going into a year not competing as much. Like, how... I guess that's what I want to understand is are we willing to learn is that the better end goal than what you're learning I th- I mean I would it's a question I uh, for sure but I think are you willing to learn more than what are you learning yeah more than what it is you're learning I would say I mean in the long run like if life's a marathon which it is I would say that you're willing to learn mm-hmm. I don't know I just that that would be my take because that would make it a process instead of it being like did I learn the right things is this a closed chapter sure I don't know what would you take on that I, I mean I guess you got to bring it down to life and death and for me like, I love to think about like the spirituality of what we're in or what's going on or what's at play and I personally feel like making things and the act of surfing and the act of working on both being a better craftsman and being a better technical surfer are such great canvases to, or lens at which to look at the same thing. Just like it's all the same stuff. Yeah. At the end of the day, is what I'm starting to see, and maybe it's just where I am on my perspective right now. But being observant of what you're learning is important, but the fact that you're curious enough to learn seems to be the key because I've had some hard sores and some hard aches the last couple of weeks and it's like oh, like pretty heavy stuff you know and it, it wasn't so much about what it was it was how long did it take till I realized what was wrong what I did wrong what was what was done or so on and so forth but wait a minute what have I learned from this because today's a new day and I've got to walk on yeah and and I must be honest it took two two uh two days and about two days in the morning so two and a half days that's too long hey give grace so I was like oh but I feel like if I could get that down to a half a day I bought myself two days yeah that is true <laughs> of, of mental um exhaustion and just bandwidth using up the bandwidth you know but I wonder too like and we were talking about that yesterday is it's knowing how to properly give enough time to things like that like examples of just saying like hey this is you know as a person you're resilient you want to be like hey that's all good like I'll move forward with that I'll try to learn from it but at what point do you go hey like you know it obviously will be all good but like in situations that don't make you feel good genuinely how much time does it take and like 
how do you naturally get through something like that? Mm. You know, I wonder like if it's something that you push through because you're like, hey, like the grieving process is something that's like kind of outside of you. I think it can be, I don't know, it, if you're not truly ready to let go of something, then it's going to be pretty hard to just kind of get through it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something I wanted to ask you about and what a better time than now, but I think like what you and your brothers with PVW are doing, the Positive Vibe uh, Warriors, the foundation, like the more I think about it, and to be honest, I need to speak to your dad about this, because I feel like the way that you guys were parented and, and brought up with a positive outlook is huge. And the fact that you're able to now cast it over a landscape of a foundation and both be inspiring but also create a roadmap for people to be inspired or to positively act through is huge but the simplicity of just being positive is incredible <laughs> yeah I mean it might be so obvious to you and hard but I'm sure you're used to explaining that to people but I mean gosh I've been working with you guys for a while now but also like we got to spend time in South Africa yeah. together, like a couple of weeks on the road and the simple concept of just being more positive is way harder than just saying that. That, that is I, so funny. I mean, I, I think it it's harder true. than you could. It's harder than you would admit, but more beneficial than perhaps anything. I almost think it's like kind of taken for granted somewhat, like in a sense that it's like for you. No, like just in terms of that, you know, saying it or whatever. It's like, hey, like. You know, just stay positive, but it's like... Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, to me, positivity is almost like a muscle. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's like you, you kind of condition it over time, and it's like it's, it's an outlook. And, and if you're able to kind of, like, associate, like, oh, like, like if I... With that time, I stayed positive, and then this happened, and then, like, over time, you're kind of, I, I guess, like, sort of craving it. Like, you're kind of going, like, this isn't, like, so bad. Like, we can find the good in that. And that's kind of, I don't know. Does that make sense? Like, it's kind of like a habitual thing, like muscle building. I 100% agree. Yeah. I mean, it, it cannot... Name another thing in life that you realize is good or virtuous that doesn't take time to absolutely, with discipline, develop. Okay. So... <laughs> Give that to me again. Uh, well, uh, if positive is this, wouldn't say be all an end all, but... If it is as beneficial as we've said, name something else which is maybe similar that you haven't had to develop, like a muscle. Yeah. It it has to be that way. Yeah, that's true. It has to be something that you, day in and day out, it's like meditation. Like, it's like, you you get better at it, but you consistently practice it or whatever, but wow. That's so funny. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you could almost look at love in a way that's similar where it's like, you know, with relationships and stuff like that, where you're, you're kind of, it's easy to love somebody through like a lot of the good times. And then you're kind of, you get challenged and it's like that. It's not, it's not a discipline, but it's like your outlook onto it and like unconditionally, ex- like working through situations because you just, you feel it. I think it's like, I think it's similar where you have to kind of grow that side of it. I don't know. I don't know. What would you take beyond that? Like with love? Are they in the same ballpark? Are they similar? 
my brain's going back to the conversation of it being like a muscle and is so now my brain just said is love like a muscle maybe I'm wording it the wrong way uh, it is very similar and coming back to the spirituality it's like the golden rule or like the way I've always understood it and it's like you know that ends with love you know like love is going to be that's what's going to help make sense of this world and also make sense of the good and the bad and the balance, but do you learn how to love? I think you do. Do you learn how to love like a muscle and exercise it? I think you do, but I think that for me that's it's that's too far a benchmark. And with the concept of being more positive, it's a step towards loving more. Yeah. It's 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 almost like it's a, it's a more uh, bite-sizable chunk to wrestle with. Uh-huh. Maybe that's why it was so... Maybe you actually you gain further ground because it's something you can actually work on, but it's in the right direction, you know. You yeah. change game. Is it like love? Um, yes, I think it is. I think it's in the same direction. I mean, it has to be in the same like realm. Oh, for sure it is. I'm just trying to think how much effort or discipline it would. Yeah, it seems it's seems it's the same thing. I like with the like kind of growing up and stuff and getting to kind of hang out with Nathan Fletcher a lot. Mm. It was really cool because it was eye opening in a sense that he was always showing us Ozzy Osbourne, uh, and he was a big Ozzy Osbourne fan or is. And we'd listen to Diary of a Madman, and he would always key out lyrics where Ozzy is kind of talking about love or like loving people or like. They're strangely uplifting lyrics. And we would always trip because we'd be like, wow, this is wild. Like, you would never kind of take that from Ozzy Osbourne because he has, like, this other side of it where it's, like, a persona. But I think it's funny, like, with positivity and that love and stuff like that, like, those are kind of universal uh, topics. And I think, like, positivity has a strain that runs through all people, I would think. And it just is expressed differently or looks differently. Because mm. I, I would say, like, I mean, Bad Brains is another example. Like, I mean, I know we're hitting the music side of it, but, like, that's a punk rock band. But so much of the lyrics is about PMA, positive mental attitude. And it's funny because it's, like, when you first listen to Bad Brains, it's, like, so rough and tough. But then it's, like, eventually you start to realize that these dudes are just expressing, like, a need for positivity or an outlook on a situation in the way that they're doing it. Mm. It's pretty inspiring because... I mean, for us, like, I think with the positive words, it was never about trying to do this, like, hoorah sort of, like, thing. It was more about just empowering an idea to people, however they want to express it, include people however they want to do it. Mm-hmm. But it's about kind of trying to, like, uplift a community, like, of people together. It And I think, like, over time, it's been really special because so many people have given so much support to it that it does actually kind of feel like a family. Like, I mean, when we went down to Africa, that was magic. Like, that working with, like, Tim and the whole Ways for Change crew, like, that's a whole different walk of life. But we, like, don't you think we had to, like, on the beach, like, when we were all hanging out, it was, felt so similar. Like, you felt, like, you yeah. totally knew everybody, and it was like... Oh, it was a unity, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, that was cool, and... My question then is, and I, yeah, I guess this is somewhat leading, but with all honesty and pure intent, 
when you started the foundation to now. I'm not asking for a measure of success, but are you as inspired about the effects it could bring? Not what it's done today as you were when you started? I think like... Because what you guys set out to do is pretty loose, you know? But yeah, we never really set out to do anything. Like it's so funny. Like we, we actually, like the whole thing started because we made... 50, well, the logo and the name started because I was on the WQS by myself and Dane, I asked him if he'd do some art on my surfboard and he was, he drew the like three stick figures and he just said, hey T-Dog, like always, you know, stay positive if you're in a down route and he put positive warriors on it and there's the three, some of me patent Dane. Yeah. And so then I, I was just down there and I started drawing it in my notebooks and it was like the same as it what is now, it's just... Because I wanted it in a circle, so it was one big guy, and then it just made sense that the other two were small. So, yeah, we never really thought much about it. And then for Christmas, we used to write thank you cards to everybody and just say, hey, like, thanks, it's been a good year. And then we're like, hey, this year, like, we should make sweatpants because nobody buys sweatpants for themselves. And that would be a sick gift. Khaki decks. Yeah. And so (laughs) we just totally randomly, like, went to, like, Walmart, and we bought, like, 60 sweats and then took them to a screen printer and just had that logo screened on them and we sent them to like just friends and family and it kind of grew in this like really fun grassroots way but we had still at that point it was never we had like no vision whatsoever of it ever being what it is Mm -hmm. so I think today I mean I'm I'm more inspired I don't think there's like a term of feeling like it's a success or not but like I'm honestly way more inspired now because people have taken ownership of it. And you'd be surprised, like, the, the majority of the orders of the members that we get are actually in mid-America. Yes. And we had a guy reach out to us, and he got a tattoo. So he literally got a huge tattoo yeah, on his arm. Well. And he wrote an email, and he just said, hey, like, thank you guys so much. Like, I came across the foundation randomly, like, a couple years ago, and I just loved the slogan and, and the message, and it felt... I'm like a, a, a war vet and I just felt like it was so important for me to keep the vibe alive. Didn't mention surfing once in it or like sure. like a Gadowskis thing. And, and to me, I was just like, oh my God, like that's insane. Like I, I couldn't believe that it had bridged a gap that was like outside of my kind of circle or, or you know, whatever of surfing. Mm-hmm. And, and so I started to think, I was like, that is so cool because I just felt like on a human level, like I had been able to stoke this guy out enough that he got a tattoo. Not that that's like an end goal or whatever, but he's such heavy ownership of it. Yeah, I I just thought like, that's really cool. Like it's like a pat on the back, I guess somewhat where, you know, because we're filling the orders and you're, you're working hard to get it still in motion and keep it moving, but it's so worth it. Like being able to kind of help out communities with the board drives and, and kind of raising scholarship money for the swim lessons and stuff like that. It's like, dude, you feel, you feel sick because it's like kids are going to learn and they're going to enjoy the ocean just like, you know, you and I have had the fortune to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's so fascinating. And I, you know, coming back to, I mean, we're sitting here in much open bay, but coming back to the disconnect between love, positivity, and surfboards, like for me... I simply see surfboards as a tool. Like, if you're fascinated by the ocean, great, but you can go swim and get a lot out of it. Yeah. And the beach is great, but yeah. when it comes to surfing, like, these boards are this weird tool that sort of 
comes into the mix, but there's a lot of emotion and and I don't know, this, this kind of weird um, mysticism around it. Yeah. There's a lot of things going like, like, do you feel like shaping that board today? Were you drawing from what you've learned from being more positive? I wasn't in you. Yesterday you did well following instruction. But, I mean, how is your thought process today? Like, referencing those things and going on to, like, surfing a heat and then also please bring in free surfing. Like, how are you thinking about what you're doing with reference to what you've learned about being positive, with what you've learned about helping other people be positive, and then what you're trying to do? Well, I think, like, you were saying about, like, their tools, basically tools of expression almost like a guitar or like whatever and it's like yeah. the closer you get to fine tuning that for yourself the better chance you have for enjoying it at the maximum level mm-hmm. I I feel like I don't know like I don't know because with the love and the positivity like that could be in an outlook you know when you're looking at the board or when you're just kind of literally kind of putting your hands on it and putting your energy into it and like shaping it around. Did you feel that today? I mean, is that something you were thinking about? And that, I mean, that might go back to what you're saying is like, do you, do you think about being positive in situations or do you just kind of go with it? And I don't know, like if I had any thoughts other than just excitement towards the board and like that feeling of, you know, you're creating something and you know what you want to create, but it's like not happening right then. It's, you kind of have to trust your stuff. So I think, I mean, it's a perspective for sure. Like I was feeling positive about the experience. I was like, my spirits were lifted, you know, and I, and I, and I love surfing and I love the experience. So I think deep down there was probably like some connection of it, but, um, yeah, I think for sure, like surfboards and shaping surfboards bring you closer to that craft of, of having a deep love for surfing. It's pretty sick. Like, I mean, it's totally... Like we were talking this morning about like hobbies and people and like it's like it's funny that that can never go away. I I hundred percent believe it. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're built that way. That we yeah. too. It made no sense how long you spent trying to get a rail straight today when a machine can do that better. But that wasn't the, that wasn't what was that question. What was in question was, wow, I've got this idea and I want to do it and. And you took way longer. It was you were yeah one hundred percent inefficient today. Yeah. <laughs> so the value must be somewhere else, and I feel like it's with there's a need within us to to make stuff, to create stuff, to design stuff, to you know a oh, well creators and innovators like yeah sign me up you know. But at the same time, like with with it could almost be deeper than you should, like for me shaping a board that I would write because. Then you start going, you're shaping a board for somebody who ordered a board. That's connection oh, right there. So that, that's this, like, I feel like that's a beautiful gift. And it's like that brings you closer. You're helping somebody, you know, achieve something in their life, making them happier. And I think that is probably the bigger, like, connectivity of shaping is that it's like a collab. Mm-hmm. Where it's like your piece of art, but it's not like they hang it on the wall. It's like then they go try it. So, like, they put their ability on top of your ability. And so it's this culmination of, like, craftsmanship. That, I mean, straight away, I'm starting to think of what you're going to experience. Because I don't think it's happened yet, but watching somebody else write something that you've made is unbelievable. Yeah. 
and you're gonna watch somebody write something that you made, and it's gonna be next level. That's so rad. Let's catch up next time you uh, got some feedback with some people writing for Yeah, or when I come back from the trip, that's super fun. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Sam. Episode 2 of Swell With My Soul was hosted, written, and produced by Donald Brink. It was edited by myself, David Scales. The initial reading at the beginning of this episode is the preface for the 1965 Reader's Digest book, How to Live With Life. I've posted a link to it, along with photos of Tanner shaping the board that he and Donald discussed in this episode on surfsplendorpodcast.com. You can learn more about Swell With My Soul and link directly to Donald's website, brinksurf.com. Lastly, the music in today's episode was a cover of Nirvana's In Bloom by Sturgill Simpson. We'll bring you episode three of Swell With My Soul in two weeks. Until then...